0: The player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers them for real. It's like, when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious tonight. It, we deserve this thing, man. Fox scores five flying high in both Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA draft, Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton.
1: Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that hasn't been in the playoffs in Over a decade, almost two decades, a decade and a half, then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if you can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento like that. Since that's looked at a lot differently, you probably feel better than you do with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Bryant West on here, as seems to be the regular at this point, filling in for Rich. What's going on, Bryant? How you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Um, that was an all-right uh, two games of basketball, but the Sacramento Kings there.
1: I, I guess the, all-right uh, is a way to say it.
0: Yeah. No, you know what? Um, I know that the uh, Toronto Raptors game got out of hand in that uh, fourth quarter there, uh, but uh, Kings beat a team I think they should have beaten in and Bulls, and uh, they played pretty well for uh, two-and-a-half quarters against the Raptors, who honestly are probably much better than their records. So, you know, as we've uh, said all season, um, especially early in the season, the only thing I really care about the Kings doing is staying competitive and uh, showing promise on uh, both ends of the court. Wasn't much defensive promise tonight, but there was certainly – Some real reasons for offensive optimism for a while there. I mean, what did the Kings finish shooting from the field? 56%. That's pretty okay.
1: 44% from three. Yeah. um, Let's start with the Raptors game because you're right. I guess we do have to get to the Chicago one, but uh, Raptors one is very fresh, obviously. Um, Let's just start with, like, super obvious I feel like we're going to have to spend 10, 15, 20 minutes talking about him every single episode. Tyrese Halliburton is absolutely ridiculous, and in ways that were, like, not expected in the slightest. Um, these, like, fake – I mean, fake passes were expected, but, like, these fake passes off the dribble that are going into move into off-the-dribble threes, um, I'm just, like uh, – you and I have talked about it, but like these, are, it's really this off-the-dribble shooting that actually like changes the outcome of his potential ceiling.
0: We've certainly talked about it enough in the last week, but the shot variance that Tyrese has shown across these seven games that he's played this season is just so far beyond what I was expecting. Um, the catch-and-shoot numbers at uh, Iowa State were absolutely legitimate, um, but in terms of shooting off the dribble he it, it's 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 not giving him the credit he deserves to pretend like we always thought he was gonna be this level of shooter the stuff he's doing now the sidestep threes the off the dribble threes just stupid growth he has clearly put a ton of work into uh, his defensive uh, I mean his uh, shot prowess this uh, nine game uh, nine-month off-season, he had it's it's just absolutely incredible the j- jump he's made uh, full applause he's been absolutely fantastic and as we've said if he's making off the treble threes like this just throw the ceiling off we have no idea what he can be at this level um I'm done trying to contain my optimism for Tyrese Halliburton he's been fantastic
1: yeah, um, I definitely remember going into the year, uh, throwing out an over/under of like two and a half All Stars and seeing what people thought, and it was like a very clear under, right? Even I even lowered it to like half. Like, does he make one All Star team? Um, and I I think that like, I mean, I felt pretty comfortable. I made a dollar bet four games into the year that he probably wouldn't be an All Star. Um, I thought he was going to be an elite role player that would never put up the numbers. Or anything like this, but like he's already getting ridiculous recognition. Um, like I don't know. I don't wanna I don't wanna overreact or anything, but what we're seeing is just the tip of the iceberg for Halliburton. And yeah, I mean at this point, would you would you would you bet on being an all star at some point in his career?
0: man yeah, see, I, I I don't know if it's the fan in me to say, Yes, absolutely. But You know, there is going to be some kind of rookie wall here that will happen when guys stop hedging against him passing. I mean, even tonight, aside from the threes, whenever he drove into the basket, guys were still waiting for him to make the pass. Um, And guys are going to start being more physical with him. They're going to realize that, you know, this 190-pound rookie is, um, you know, he's very slight. It's going to be eventually... Uh, a bunch of adult NBA players taking advantage of the 20-year-old in terms of physicality. But even when that happens, I'm not overly worried about it because he's already one of the best playmakers in the league. So even though I'm expecting a rookie wall at some point, like I said, it's really hard to contain optimism at this point. Everything has just been clicking. He's been as great as advertised on um, passing. He's been much better than advertised as a shooter. And his defense, man – all around Packers right now. You're going to put a gun to my head right now? Yeah, he makes an all-star game.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm with you, and I, I wouldn't have felt that before. Um, chat's Chat's very frustrated, understandably. So, you know, we'll, we'll get back to the positives because I think you and I actually both uh, liked Bagley's first half. Um, not mm-hmm. to put words in your mouth or anything. Um, but I did. I did.
0: Okay, really yeah,
1: and, and the defense, actually, which I know obviously has a lot of criticisms in this game, but was interesting to me in the first half as well. Um, okay, so... Yes. A lot of Luke Walton. Uh, There's a couple of Luke Walton things in the chat. Will Luke ever make a second half adjustment? Nurse clearly did. Uh, Fire (laughs) Walton. Um, So I don't think, and by the way, anyone listening on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else, um, definitely follow the at at Kings underscore Pulse on Twitter, and we go live on Periscope there sometimes and hop in the chat, throw us questions. As much as I and we all have criticized Luke um, reasonably so, I don't know how much you can put this game on him. Like 144 points from the opposition. Like, yeah. sure, Toronto shot 51% from three. But like you said, Sacramento shot 44% from three, 56% from the field. Like, that's enough to keep you in the game. They just actually, like, the F. You have to try to, you have to really try to let the team on the other side, score 144 points. Like, I get frustrations with Luke, but at some point, like, in this, for me, you have to look at the players and be like, okay, well, you're really just not putting up the effort at points. Um, They've had spurts throughout the entire year um, of just horrible quarters and a couple horrible halves, and obviously this second half was one of them. You think of the Houston one, um, and there's one other one I'm drawing a blank on at the moment.
0: Um, The Golden State game.
1: Yes, that's what it was. And um, just spurts of turnovers, and you saw that happen in the um, in the second quarter after a hot start in the first. That you know, a- after the turnover, they're not even attempting to get it back in transition. Um, so while while I get a lot of frustrations with Luke, I don't know that necessarily like Nurse making an adjustment in the second half and Walton not was what was the cause of this in my mind.
0: Yeah. There wasn't a single king in that second half that was playing acceptable defense. Um, there are a lot of lineup issues that I still have with Luke Walton, but tonight it really was just the culmination of a really good Raptors team. Um, I know that they were 1-6 in six going into this game, so on paper I'm sure uh, that led to quite a few of us, myself included, thinking that um, the Kings had a real, real shot of winning this game, but I think the Raptors showed tonight, even if a whole bunch of it was just un- unsustainable shooting levels against a team that wasn't playing defense, the Raptors are legitimate. Um, and, uh, I mean, as much as you said you have to let a team score 140 points, Raptors took advantage, and you never, yeah. dis a team, you never take away from a team from uh, scoring that well. Um, Raptors were great. Kings defense wasn't great. I don't know what Luke Walton really could have done in that second half. Uh, I would have honestly gone to the young lineup a little earlier than he did. This game was over eight minutes to go. So back-to-back tomorrow. Yeah. uh, I'm I'm still going to stick on this was an okay game. I mean, first 36 minutes, I was fine. And – as we said, when, why, why, did, why have we ever pretended that this season was about wins and losses? This season was about growth in the players that you need to show growth. And uh, it, wins and losses are ancillary. I know that that's a storyline that a lot of Kings fans are sticking of hearing, but that's just how you have to approach the season for your sanity.
1: Yeah, with that perspective... Tonight was fine because you saw obviously a ridiculous Halliburton game. I think Fox was very promising in the minutes he was out there. It wasn't like a, you know, there, I, I don't think there was anything new from Fox this game, but there wasn't any, like, no. I, Fox wasn't the problem. Um, definitely not. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean, Bialica, I will say, uh, is part of the problem on defense when he's yeah. getting rolled out there because the Holmes, I believe, had four. Um, fouls in the first half and I know you texted me one of them was probably a little bit of bs and he probably gets about one bs one a game but it's because he's always in the mix of things um but yeah I mean he could definitely be a little more cautious with with some of the fouls there because he does have some good switchability but instead with him getting those fouls there's a lot of badly at the five minutes since Whiteside's understandably not playing which by the way Whiteside was not going to fix this uh this uh, defensive
0: deficiencies, just so God everybody don't. knows.
1: <laughs> don't get that in your mind at all. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so Bielita gets a good bit of run at the four when Bagley's forced to play the five with Holmes out there, and Bealita looks a little bit slow. Uh, nobody could guard anybody on the perimeter. Um, yeah, and, yeah, while I'm with you, like, there's a lot of talent on the other team, especially, like, Van Vliet at one point realized, oh, oh wait, I can just get Marvin Bagley switched on to me every single time yeah. and do whatever I want. Um, and ends up with 34 points and 7 assists um yeah but it, it it's it hurts when it's guys like like Chris Boucher putting up two mm-hmm. points under his career high you know 23 points and 10 rebounds i didn't realize this was Malachi Flynn's first uh, nba bucket regular season nba bucket cool.
0: neither it's, did i good yeah. for him broadcast he played was very about well. it
1: yeah he played extremely well 12 points 5 assists um yeah so, but, okay. I, I mean, I feel like that's enough of the negatives because we have to get it out there. Um,
0: I got one more negative.
1: Buddy okay. Heald
0: was not great in this game. Um, I mean, aside from – he had six assists in this game, so I don't want to take away from that. Uh, and uh, But aside from that four-point play he had that pretty much saved that Chicago game, he didn't really have a great week. He hasn't really had a great season. And, I mean – Uh, I tweeted it out. There weren't any Kings playing defense in the second half tonight, but Buddy Heald was really not playing defense in the second half tonight. He was just full, full, okay, get to the basket. I'll just watch you. Yeah. It was pretty poor. So. Yeah,
1: and everyone was guilty, but Buddy uh, buddy, buddy especially, I, I would say Buddy Bielitsa, and then honestly even Corey Joseph in there when, you know, I, I mean, uh, again, I think we kind of mentioned recently, I think he's still a good team defender, but on ball is definitely uh taking a little bit of a step down. And, yeah, even definitely. the offense of healed, right, I mean, you're used to this elite three-point shooter, and don't get me wrong, 34% um is not bad when you're talking about 10 attempts a game. Like it's ridiculous volume, but it's still not what you expect from healed, especially when it's kind of the main thing you're doing out there. Not kind of like I said, kind of because I was gonna say the only thing, which I don't know, I I don't want to be. I mean, it's kind of it. Team has paid you ninety million dollars, right? Right. Um, and yeah, gotta be gotta be shooting better from three than that. But a guy that is actually is shooting better from three than Marvin Bagley, you know where I'm going here. Or, I'm sorry, I just gave it away. <laughs> then, then Buddy <laughs> Heal. <I was> like, <laughs> yeah, then Buddy healed is Marvin Bagley on way, way, way less attempts.
0: 35%. And all of them open. Yep. They're all open, all which you got to note. But hey, again, don't take away from a guy doing what you hope he does. Uh, his his shot, honestly, was uh, one of the better things uh, across these two games. Um He's taking what the team has given him. He's not just sliding into rolling isolation plays. Um, I really think that uh, the four uh, bull quarters and the two in the first half tonight, he just he really sat, sat in the flow of the offense. Uh, he wasn't a black hole. He passed out of stuff. He had a really nice assist to start the game tonight. Uh, did some rebounds. I thought he played pretty physical up against Ogi Anubi. Early in the game, uh, I thought he was very quietly solid tonight. Uh, until the Raptors came out and just decided, all right, we're, we're going to put him in on switch, switch him every time, and put him in a blender against Fred VanVleet in the second half. So, um,
1: yeah, I, I don't the think shot, you can
0: expect him to guard that. Like, no, you can't. It's so unreal. Why, why would you ever? Yeah,
1: yeah, I, and I agree with you actually. Like, I think he's going to get a lot of crap, and the whole team should get a lot of crap. But like, actually, Bagley's defense was. I was, throughout the whole year, I've been like, wow, this guy's actually a little switchable. And like you're saying, he did a good job, um, you know, being physical with Ananobi. I think he did a halfway decent job staying in front of Pascal Siakam, which is no easy assignment, even though Siakam's um, been shaky throughout this season. Um, So, yeah, I mean, and, and for you to also, as you have also mentioned, it being in the flow of the offense is just ginormous. Like, there were so many moments throughout last year, even times we've spent this year, I guess not last year. He didn't play much last year, year before, but just times you've seen Bagley need to have the entire offense revolve around him or maybe not need to, but once the ball got in his hands, that's what it felt like because he was just going to take it himself. He was going to face up and do something going towards his left or get back to his left in some sort of way. Um, and it didn't really happen much. I mean, yeah, six of nine and, knock down uh knock down a three like it it was there there's potentially some progress here with Bagley and I think we need to not overreact to some of the downs that have happened here and like like you've preached a bunch on this podcast on Twitter and everywhere else uh definitely just just keep patient with Bagley and the other guy that's been really switchable in this lineup as well um while you're running out two bigs is is Rashawn Holmes like we mentioned earlier um I've been very surprised at how switchable he is. And it's funny because I, I think back to, I don't even remember if this was last year, I believe it was, there was a game against Denver where he got switched onto Jamal Murray at the very end of the game. Um, and th- it was some game-winner situation for Sacramento, I think. It was one of the more exciting games of the year. And Holmes had phenomenal one-on-one defense against Jamal Murray. And that's just like a, a peek into some switchability that he's really displayed this year.
0: Yeah, I think he's been uh, probably in the top half of uh, starting centers for switchability. Uh, In the games I've seen this year, he's been exceptionally competent, and as always, he fights really hard on the glass. Uh, and he's shooting astronomically good. I mean, almost 70% from the field so far this season. Ooh. So he's really making an effort on both ends of the court. If uh, if the rest of the team was playing defense with the confidence and competence that Rashawn Holmes was doing, they'd be a significantly better team than they are. So um, Rashawn Holmes is never the issue on defense for this team.
1: No, and um, we mentioned Bagley playing within the flow of the offense. That's Holmes' this whole shtick his entire time in Sacramento. Um, just want to point out, someone in the chat says, I don't understand where the ball movement went. That was one of the huge issues, like the yeah. first half. But, you know, we can look at it positively, at least try to. The first half was beautiful ball movement, actually. There were moments yeah. of, like, it, it swinging from from left to right and guys hitting the pain and then not forcing up some some bad contested layup. Yeah. Um, and yeah I mean great ball movement and shots were going down like there were moments of very good offense and I mean you just need to be able to put that together um more consistently
0: and I think there were some games I mean both the Denver wins come to mind where the Kings really did keep that uh offensive flow going for most of the game um but tonight as soon as that third quarter rough patch hit that you always know is coming because if you've watched any Sacramento Kings ball for very long you know that third quarter rough patch is going to come and uh Kings just didn't fight out of that one and uh offense never recovered so this is definitely a team that uh if the engine stalls uh even Tyrese Halliburton's uh abilities can't always get it back Listen to the marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Buddy Hilt's not shooting well. DeAaron Fox is on a minutes restriction and uh, the rest of the team is just staring wide eyed at the Raptors going crazy and well, we're down twenty, what are we gonna do?
1: Yeah, the minute restriction thing was kinda interesting. It was like he's on a minute restriction, and then he had fifteen minutes at halftime and I was like, Okay, well where is the rest of these minutes gonna come right now? Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm interesting for- to see what they do tomorrow. Definitely, yeah, uh, playing Portland next um, the day that you're probably hearing this release. And a question in chat that I actually wanted to get to at some point in here, what would you estimate Holmes' deal this offseason? What what sort of range, and, and, you know, there's been a lot of talk about this on Twitter, Um, Tim Maxwell did a bunch of research on a potential extension just for us to, uh, for him to eventually realize that that actually can't be done, right, because it was a two-year contract that Holmes signed. Um, and that's part of the CBA, but yeah, going to be a um, Sacramento will have his bird rights. What sort first? Do you think Holmes? Holmes
0: is a starting center in the NBA, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, he, he's got such a combination of skills that I think there's at least half, yeah, maybe not half, at least ten teams that will be like, yeah. Come here, you'll get real minutes with us. And, uh, I mean, maybe his absolute best role in the NBA would be as a third big man, but he's certainly good enough that on this team he should never be off off the pitch.
1: Yeah. Right. Um, Um, Yeah. I I guess the wording probably should have been, like, on a playoff team because he's obviously a starting center right now. Uh,
0: On the playoff team, I mean – if the if he's your fifth starter, then yeah, sure. Right. If he's the fifth best player on your lineup, then absolutely. Yeah. Um, I know that Tim figured out today that he was wrong. I can't extend you, but it doesn't really matter because um, you know the ranges we'd been kind of mulling about uh, were in the you know ten million a year, twelve million a year if it's a shorter contract. Uh, I definitely think that. Uh, either a four-year $40 million or a two-year $25 million contract extension at the end of the season, of course, can't come mid-season. Makes excellent sense for, um, for Sean Holmes. You don't take a player who's been this good in Sacramento and clearly has connected this much with his team and clearly loves the fan base. I mean, the dude is just beloved among Kings fans for good reasons. It, you don't just let him go for what would pretty much be a reasonable contract, even given the rest of the team.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, real quick to answer this question, I know we're kind of hopping around a little bit. Didn't catch the game live. Did Fox look impaired at all? Not at all. Yep. Uh, could not tell there was an injury. Uh was fast as ever. Did not seem anything wrong with the hamstring. Um, yeah, from what I saw on the floor, I'd expect him to play tomorrow. I don't think we've heard any differently. Um but Absolutely. back to the Yeah, but back to the Holmes conversation. Um I you know, when you're I mean the value of centers just is not in a great spot right now. Um I think of Montrez Harrell, which someone mentioned in the chat, got a two year nineteen million dollar deal. Um Tristan Thompson got the exact same deal and I can I think you could say that uh Holmes is on the level of kind of some of those guys. I think the Harrell one is a pretty good is a pretty good comp, um, but obviously yeah. that's going to the Lakers, um, and there's a little bit of a Sacramento tax that is that mm-hmm. involved, especially when you're comparing it to an L.A. discount. Um, so You know, I
0: get I get all oh, the mercenary center idea. The center should always, unless you have a superstar center, center should pretty much always be one of the cheaper contracts. I don't think that $10 million a year for an okay starting level um, fifth starter center on a good team is crazy talk, uh, especially when, you know, I think the uh, Montrez Harrell contract makes a lot of sense. He's, he gives the Lakers a lot of what they need, but at the same time, Rashawn Holmes is a better defender than, than uh, Montrez Harrell. And he's probably not as uh, peak a level scorer, but he also doesn't demand quite as many post touches. And his efficiency, I would say, is... I mean, his efficiency's top ten in the NBA right now. Right. So, I think uh, if you want to compare those contracts, I think if uh, if Rashawn Holmes wants to take that deal, absolutely.
1: Right. Especially short term. I mean, you threw out uh, two twenty five. I think yeah. you said right. And in when you're talking short term, I feel okay. Like two years uh, in that kind of twelve million range would be twelve and a half uh, annually over those two. I feel okay with. But if that was extended four years. I don't know that I feel great um, because, I, I don't know, I, I guess I still have some hesitance on his defense at times, mainly pointing at these this really high foul rate that he has. Um, and, yeah, yeah there, so I, I don't know. I have some questions there sometimes, but, I mean, it's undeniable that like, he's the clear best center on this roster, and I think he could be your starting center moving forward. Um I just am very much like I want whatever deal he's on to be a positive asset, which I know is a very big ask because that would mean that you need to get probably a discount mm-hmm. from what he's actually worth, which more than likely is not going to happen. Um, but I, I just am very hesitant to make Rashawn Holmes such a priority that you end up overpaying him in a, and or, or signing him to a contract that he's worth right now but could end up, um, you know, maybe this is just a – I guess not, right? Like, I mean, you're thinking, like, I was going to say maybe this is just a little bit of an outlier year from him, but you saw him do it throughout all of last year as well, right? Yeah.
0: This is the guy who I think is, uh, you know, there's always the contract year player who uh, goes crazy in his contract year and then kind of dies off. This is what Rashawn Holmes was last year. I mean, this is peak efficiency. And, uh, but we know who Rashawn Holmes is. He's yeah. He's been the same dude pretty much the whole time he's been here. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there's one thing that Monty McNair showed this uh, off season is that he won't sign dudes to contracts that he think uh, are too high for their value. Uh, if there's anything that trading Bogdan it or letting Bogey walk showed, it was he really stands firm on, not nope, that's too big a contract, see you later, um, which I think worked in his was, – uh, was a mistake with Bogey. Um, but if somebody comes out here and offers, if the Detroit Pistons want to sign, uh, <laughs> Holmes for the, to be their eighth center, uh, and they offer him too much. I mean, we'll have that conversation when we come to that bridge, but, um, unless the Kings, uh, suddenly trade for another center this season and then draft, uh, Evan Mobley, uh, early next year, then, uh, you know, we might have to have a changing conversation about the value of Rashawn Holmes to this team, but he's their best big man right now. And he does a lot of the things that this team really needs. So, um, you don't let players like that go for nothing. Yeah. Um,
1: I think I, I tend to be a little bit in the outlier here. Like I wouldn't be, a sh- I wouldn't be sad if they walked away from say like a 40 or 50, which is about 12 and a half a year, you know? Um, I I also would be mad if he if they signed it, but I would I, I wouldn't mind walking 450. away from that.
0: Four fifty's not great, but you're also a Boston Celtics fan who's very used to centers just coming out of the woodworks and being uh, starter level. So fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. I, I am
1: very much thinking that like you know, Rashawn Holmes was found for five five million, right? And and you can you know like. I mean, I don't think they're the same level guy, but how many centers are there constantly available that are just simply not given the opportunity that if they come to Sacramento and are given a big role could maybe fill that home spot for less money? You know, it's the whole, like, you don't re-sign Jonathan Simmons, you go find the next one. Um, But I don't know if that's necessarily the case here because Holmes isn't some ridiculous deal that we're talking about.
0: Yeah, well, I think maybe if you looked back at all of the center deals that were signed last year and this year, I wonder how many of them were more cost-efficient than Rashawn <laughs> Holmes has been in these two seasons. And even if you bump him up to what the kind of range that we're talking about, I would still bet he'd be one of the better deals at that point. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to really struggle to find – four years' 50 seems a little high, but um, – it's gonna be a struggle for me to be disappointed in a contract that Rashawn Holmes signs next year with the kicks. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Like,
1: yeah, I mean I think that around this ten million range is probably what you're talking. Um, again, it's a different LA team, but you know, like Sergi Baca, nine million. Um, I, I think there's a lot of starting caliber centers that are probably within the range of Holmes that are kind of in this eight, nine, ten million range. I just you know, just don't don't get to like Valanchunas where you are giving him fifteen million sort of thing, which I don't see as being the case. I don't think that he has that competition um, in, in the open market or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. So, I um, yeah, I, and I guess we we also got to touch a little bit on this on the Chicago game. And honestly, I'm gonna have to go through uh, this box score real quick and try to. Try to get some of my memory back from what happened in this one.
0: <laughs>
1: Tyrese-Taliburton happened. That's, that's what happened. Every game. Every game.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, 15 points in the uh, fourth quarter. Oh, right. Uh, two sidestep threes. Oh, uh, right. Pretty much the dagger. Um, I mean, I, I see that dagger when I close my eyes. It was that beautiful. Um, you know, it was another – it was kind of the uh, first – Half of tonight's game, uh, but over two quarters. It was terrible defense. Kings let the bulls of all teams shoot 42% from the floor. Uh, Kobe White and Zach being combined for 68 points. But uh, what did matter? The Kings uh, have Tyrese Halliburton, and that's all they really needed to be uh, to pull out a clutch victory uh, against the team they really did need to beat. Uh, if the Kings had fallen apart like they did uh, – Tonight against the Bulls, I'd be probably less optimistic than I am right now. But um, they pull it out against against the Chicago team that's probably in terms of talent bottom five in the league. But uh, you know, good if you want to be a decent team, you got to beat bad opponents. So yeah, yeah.
1: Um, Harrison Barnes is the rock of the team. I mean, I guess same as Rashawn Holmes, but you see Barnes 20 points here, seven and ten from the field, and yeah, if you combine Barnes and Holmes, you get 44 points here on 17 of 21 shooting. Um, absolute ridiculous efficiency that you're getting from those guys. Um, Bagley also had a very good game in this one. Um, yeah, he did. And, and again, it was quiet and within the flow of the offense. 21 points for him and. 12 rebounds, um, only two turnovers. I need to throw in two steals and two blocks as well. It it really, again, was within the flow of the offense. That's what this one was. Um, My main thing was this uh, Halliburton and Bagley pick and roll that, I mean, Halliburton runs it like a magician, but Bagley also is a very good roll threat. and. I don't feel like we've really seen Bagley in a pick-and-roll that much. I know Fox isn't an ideal partner with him since they both want to get to the
0: rim, but I'm surprised we haven't seen Bagley in a pick-and-roll more. You know, it's it's been both a thing that I've always wanted to see from Bagley more. It was not a thing that they did at Duke ever, like his pick-and-roll numbers at Duke were astonishingly low. And pretty much since the moment he was drafted, I always thought that the number one thing you needed to do to optimize De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley was just make them run 10 pick-and-rolls a game. And uh, Dave Yeager didn't do it that often. Uh, Luke Walton certainly didn't do it enough last year. But now they've got another playmaker, um, and one who's probably uh, a little better in terms of not quite – crowding the paint so much as De'Aaron Fox does, but please, Luke Walton, for the love of God, just have De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton continually use Marvin Bagley as a pick-and-roll player. Marvin's got to be better at setting the screens. He's got to be tougher in handling um, guys who try to come and blow it up, but take advantage of it. You've got one of the fastest big men, uh, you know, for his age. Take advantage of it.
1: Yeah, um, we did get a question in the chat real quick here. Uh, thoughts on Malachi Flynn, and you're the Malachi Flynn guy, so I'll let you throw that out there real quick. I mean, you shoot the heck out of the ball.
0: Yeah, and you know, I, I didn't know until you just said it that tonight was the first time he scored, and that came as, as a surprise because he looks dang in mid midseason to form tonight. Took advantage of uh, De'Aaron Fox on a couple of plays, even. Uh, he's just incredibly crafty. He's the dude who. Um, really plays within himself on both ends. Uh, You know, I I knew that coming into the NBA, it wasn't going to be the easiest defensive transition, even for a dude who won Mountain West Conference defensive player of the year last year, but uh, he competes on both ends, really smart, heady player, the ideal type of Raptors guard. Um, And he took advantage tonight.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, and sorry for hopping around, but just trying to make sure we get these uh, these questions from from the viewers in as well. So yeah, back to back to this pick and roll. I, I mean, Halliburton is probably already a better all around pick and roll player than De'Aaron Fox, which is crazy to say. Um, when it comes to the passing that that he's able to set up as well, and kind of the manipulation yeah. of, of that of that big man. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I would love to see that get ran more with Fox and, and I would hope that seeing some success that working with Halliburton, um, that, that that does happen a little bit more for Bagley as well. Um yeah, I, I don't know what else I have on uh on the Chicago game here. You mentioned a very big couple of threes from Halliburton that were absolutely ridiculous. That one from the corner specifically. Um, again, off the dribble, and most of them are like two dribbles and sidesteps or stepbacks, right, that are kind of taking advantage of closeouts. But, I mean, still, it's extremely impressive, obviously, especially for a guy that's playing in his, what was the eighth game
0: of the year for him. Yeah. His um, shooting variance across the eight games has just been incredible to watch. He's, yeah. uh, like, like we said earlier, that just really takes all the ceiling off of his game. If he can keep shooting like this, and you know, eventually guys will be more in his face, uh, and he'll have to learn how to adjust to tighter shooting windows and speed up his release a bit. But I mean, he's making the shots. It, that dagger against Chicago was absolutely incredible, probably the best uh, highlight of the year. So, aside from the buddy game winner in the first game, so. Uh, all no. the applause to Tyrus Halliburton. He does not look like a rookie. He does not look like a dude who uh, is just playing in his game.
1: No, he does not. Um, and, and, yeah, Buddy hit a very big and one uh, four-point play in this one as well, but wasn't too hot overall. Um, as we kind of mentioned, he hasn't been throughout this year. Okay, the one other thing I want to get in this episode um, is just a quick glance at the rest of the Western Conference and keying in on the teams that um, – I and, and you each kind of thought we probably in the same tier of Sacramento teams that, you know, it, it was potential that Sacramento finished above them or below them. Um, and for, for me, I think that was the, the Grizzlies, the Timberwolves, uh, the Spurs were probably the main three. And then there's a couple outliers like a, or a couple others, like Golden State, Portland, and new Or uh did i already mention new orleans no no i, I did not so golden state uh yeah new orleans portland i think you could throw in there um so yeah just kind of kind of taking tabs because sacramento's been a little up and down this year but how they compare to the rest of the western conference and i think uh starting with the very bottom here two and six minnesota timberwolves man they are a mess um
0: no, Carl yeah, Anthony, especially tests. no Carl counts. Yeah,
1: yeah. Upgraded to questionable now. Um, missed six games with this left wrist injury, and he was like an Iron Man before. From what I remember, he had there was this whole story of hadn't missed a game since middle school, right? And he even got, I, I believe, rear-ended by a semi truck last season, and then still ended up going and playing and not missing games, or maybe missed one, and that was the first reason, or something like, ridiculous like this. Um, but finally is kind of missing some games, I guess. And obviously the Timberwolves are struggled. They won their first two and then have lost six in a row. Uh, but yeah, Towns is questionable for the showing on the ninth tomorrow, Saturday against the Spurs. But uh, D'Angelo Russell experience seems to be souring pretty quick in
0: Minnesota. Um I wonder if Carl Anthony Towns thinks that the uh the Russell uh situation is souring. I bet he's still uh hopeful. Yeah, this is a team, and, and I'm, we're not
1: going to touch too much on each of them. Uh, I'm not going to act like I've sat and watched all eight Timberwolves games or more than one one of their games, to be honest, just kind of reading and keeping up. But this is a team that I, I did expect to be worse than, than the Sacramento Kings. I actually only had two teams worse than the Kings going into the season uh, in the Western Conference. Um, I had OKC in Minnesota, and I kind of felt like Minnesota could maybe be better. Right now I feel pretty good saying Sacramento's probably the better team than Minnesota.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Anthony Edwards has been uh, as good as advertised. Um, he gets up so fast. Oh, he that dunk was... Oh. Yeah, he's incredible. But uh, I agree with you. This team is still a hodgepodge of pieces that are still waiting to figure out how to play cohesively and uh, probably one more trip to the lottery has got to do it. Yeah, or or any
1: defense at all. They have like all these offensive spark plugs. Um, yeah, the, the other team that... Has a familiar ankle injury, um, is the Memphis Grizzlies with with John Morant. It wasn't a grade three like Darren Fox's, it was a grade two that's going to have him out for, I believe it was four to six weeks. Um, but yeah, they are three and six, and that's after an impressive win tonight against, albeit the Kyrie Irving less, which is a weird situation. And uh, Kyrie or and Kevin Durant less uh, Brooklyn Nets where Karis LeVert is just going crazy. But um, Sacramento is better than that team when they don't have John Morant and they're not going to have John Morant for a good little while here. And even when they do get John Morant back, um, the creation outside of John Morant on that Memphis roster, um, have watched a good little bit of them, is uh, very, very underwhelming.
0: And Jaron Jackson
1: for a while. I I can't believe I almost forgot to mention that. That's a very big part of this as well, which means horrible spacing out there.
0: Yeah, I was going to be very upset with you if you didn't remember that my buddy Jaron Jackson Jr. said that too. Uh, Yeah, when Dylan Brooks is your second leading scorer and he's shooting 37% from the field, yeah, you're not an efficient team. Forget about it. The other
1: day I was asking you Grayson Allen questions because he's starting for them. Um, I'm not sure he's an NBA player.
0: So. Yeah, why, play Desmond Bain. Just yes. whatever minutes you're going to give to Grayson Allen. Just either give them to De'Anthony Melton or Desmond Bain. Come on. This team it still has a whole lot of decent pieces. Um, I mean, we all know
1: how. You just love yeah. Tillman and Bain.
0: Yeah. I No, I love this whole love Grizzlies Bain's roster. Problem. I love Brandon Clark. I love Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, D'Anthony Melton. I mean, this team has a lot of interesting pieces, but no John Morant, no JJJ. That's your two best players you've done.
1: Forget yeah, it. And, and, and all those guys are, are role players. Like, none of them are guys that you want really the ball in their hands and to be creating, and you need some of those on the roster. And like you're saying, when Dylan Brooks and Kyle Anderson are your best two options, probably yeah. not going to do too well. Um, Forget about it. Yeah, so that's another team I feel like Sacramento is probably better than. And on top of that, we'll help get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports ex- experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. After that, where do we go to? Because I think you kind of just reached this hodgepodge of I'm still not really sure.
0: Yeah, there's how many teams are there now? There's eight teams that have four losses. Um, yeah, this is really. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, Sacramento now has yeah.
1: five.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, nine, we're nine. still waiting to see how everything shifts out. Um it's going to be at least 10 more games before we can even begin to say, all right, these are the all right teams. These are the bad teams. Um, we know the two Los Angeles teams are pretty much going to sit at the top. But, uh, you know, who else has been all right? The Oklahoma City Thunder are somehow four and four. Yeah, um, I expect them to come back down with their talent level. They but, sure. yeah. I mean, uh, hey, props to uh, Mark Dagnalt. I think I said that right. <laughs> Never heard of him until he took that job, but this team's <laughs> competing. Um, shy, Gilders, Alexander's scoring 19, almost 7 assists, 5 rebounds. Shooting numbers aren't great, but he's still leading a 500 team. Uh, says something that Lou Dort's their second-leading scorer. But oh, man. Wow. He's shooting 45% from three. Good for wow. him.
1: I was ju- I yeah. read a quote about his offensive struggles today. He's shooting 45. 45- wow.
0: Okay. Forty-five percent from three. Oh. Uh, yeah, no, we all know what this team is. This is a very young team without a lot of traditional firepower at this moment. They're making it work so far, but they're definitely – if they're better than Sacramento by the end of the season, I'll be surprised. Yeah. Um
1: yeah, I'm with you there, and and I will say Houston and Denver are technically below Sacramento right now in one percentage. Denver, forget about it. Denver is Denver's yeah. way better than Sacramento. Houston,
0: it, which is, is funny considering that the Kings' two best wins of the season were against Denver. Let's acknowledge that, while also admitting that you play seven games. Uh, the Kings win three of them. I don't think so.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, probably not. And uh, yeah. So. Uh, other, another team to throw out here, I guess the, the Pelicans as well um, are, are just, I mean, yeah, still up in the air there, but I, I would definitely give them a talent advantage. I think Brandon Ingram is a ridiculous player that I was really not ready to feel comfortable to... Like, I, I think he actually could be a number one option on a playoff team, actually, at this point, um, which I did not feel good about yeah. saying before. Um, his playmaking's been ridiculous, he's efficient, and we know he can really get whatever shot off he wants with his ridiculous length and high release. Um, and obviously they got Zion Williamson. I think that for all the slack that Bledsoe gets in the playoffs, he's a very, very good regular season player. And when you're running out Eric Bledsoe and um, Lonzo Ball, that is a just, like, fearless defensive backcourt um, that, that you're rolling out there. And obviously uh, Zion, they, they have good depth on that team as well. Um so yeah, very young, and I do feel like they're more talented than Sacramento. And on a given night, obviously Sacramento can be can be the better team, but um, I, I do feel like I, I still feel like if I had to put a predictions ranking, I would probably still include New Orleans above Sacramento.
0: Yeah, this is a star league, and uh, Brandon Ingram's averaging 25, seven and five and a half assists. It's just absolutely incredible. And Zion Williamson is still figuring out who the heck he is, but averaging nearly 22 points and eight rebounds. So um, I I agree with you. I I bet by the end of the year they're probably better than Sacramento. Uh, In fact, I feel pretty confident about that. But, uh, yeah, uh, right now they're pretty much in that conversation.
1: Yeah. Um, And the two other teams we can knock off with your whole, it's a star league and you're totally right, uh, I I would knock off, Golden State and Portland, probably. I know Golden State had a really rough start to the year, but um, Draymond coming back is very big for that defense and really just a team that's so top-heavy. Like, obviously, everything that we're saying, um, there's an asterisk of the whole COVID situation and everything is up in the air. And a team like Golden State that is very top-heavy, if you lose one of, really, one of your starting five, uh, specifically one of career Draymond, obviously, then that team just probably goes to crap. Um, but, uh, assuming health uh, as we are for most of these teams, for all of these teams, um, Golden State and Portland are, 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 better teams than Sacramento because of that star power they have at the top. Um, and, and then the Agreed. one, agree with me?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then, and then the one other one that I think was kind of debatable and, and still is, um, is the San Antonio Spurs. But I think the San Antonio Spurs are really interesting this year since, they are rolling out a lot of young guys and it's not the same like slow spurs that you quite expected, but there's this like caveat of what's going on with LaMarcus Aldridge. Cause when he's out there, they're not this young fast lineup of, mm-hmm. you know, Lonnie Walker and uh, Keldon Johnson.
0: And they're not even healthy. I mean, arguably their best young players, Derek White, and he played uh, one game before that toe injury reared its head again. Um, so they're, Clearly, a team that's figuring it out, but like the Spurs have always been, they're deep um, and uh, their young guys always come to play. So, um, you know, those kind of the Sacramento San Antonio games, uh, I don't know when we're going to get one of those, but that'll be a full competition of Kings youth better play up to the Spurs youth, or they're never going to be better than that team. So, um, I think that's a coin flip on any given night, but if you're making me pick which one I think is going to be better at the end of the year, I'm betting the Spurs.
1: Yeah, the, the teams in the West I feel comfortable right now. If I if I had to place bets on being worse in Sacramento um, after, you know, just seeing a little bit of a peak, I think we're like a tenth of the way through the season. Uh, Memphis, Minnesota, OKC, I'm still putting in there as well.
0: Agreed, oh, yeah. Uh, I um, can maybe see a case if Houston and whenever Houston trades James Harden, um but that's those are the teams to me
1: yeah um and and then the other uh quick one quick hitters too I I thought that you know 13th in the west but I think it was like 8th in the NBA because I had a lot of teams sitting at the bottom of the east that I felt like were worse than Sacramento and just real quick I mean like New York and Cleveland are playing really good basketball actually And, and like you know, some of it is a little unsustainable. Like, uh, Zach Lowe did a really good job pointing it out that New York um, is allowing pretty much all of their shots either at three or at the rim. And opposing teams are shooting uh, an unsustainable low percentage from New York from three. Cleveland is playing, like, really good defense, um, which I actually – uh, going into the year was like, actually, my hot take was I think Cleveland is going to be better than Chicago, but I thought they they were just going to be a really, really good offensive team, and the defense would have moments. Obviously, we got a little Isaac Okoro crush yeah, going to us. Uh, you, know, I mean,
0: you know why Cleveland's defense has been better than everybody expected. Phenomenal,
1: by the way. He, he is, is so good. <laughs> oh, yeah, I watched no. the
0: highlights. He's just, he's, he's like Tyrese Halliburton in a much more quiet way, the dude just, you can't Keep him off the off the court. Yeah. He needs to play thirty five minutes a game,
1: right? Um, but
0: there's a chance those
1: teams are better than Sacramento. I don't think. I don't know. I don't know right so, now.
0: I don't think it's likely. Um, but uh, stranger things have happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm I'm
1: getting optimistic because you you know uh, hoping for hoping for a top five pick here at this point. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, uh, so and, – and then bottom of the East, I think Detroit is – Detroit's probably there to stay. And Washington, oh, yeah. I have no cl- – like, I, I thought Washington was a lock for the playoffs in the East, to be honest. Um, I thought their offense would be ridiculous with Russ out there too. Um, just watch the game they had against Boston, which they actually had a crazy comeback. And, honestly, I stopped watching after halftime because Boston was up 25 and, and just getting walked to layups – um, but I guess ended up coming back. I, I mean, they're better than two and seven, um, but yeah, they, they may be around sort of that Sacramento area. Um, yeah. So, so just a little gauge on, on what's going on in the rest. And again, it's very early to to judge um, any of these teams, but just to kind of keep tabs on, on the competition level here, I, I still think anything from a top five pick to, to play in is within the realm of possibility for Sacramento Um because of the variance you see from game to game. I mean, quarter to quarter, really, like we saw in
0: the yes, in Toronto, shall we? Now, as, as I said earlier, as I'm going to keep saying, every game this year, all I care about was, were the Kings competitive tonight? Great. Wins or losses are absolutely secondary to this season. Were they competitive against Toronto? For the first 30 minutes, yeah. But but I think that whole, is like, a moral they... victory. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that fourth quarter was ugly, but uh, by that point, there had been enough promise from Tyrus Saliburton, and De'Aaron Fox was abused in the mid-range, and uh, Marvin Bagley had looked okay. I do want to say that Marvin Bagley was pretty disappointing in that uh, garbage time. I really thought that – you know when Kyle Guy and James and Justin James went out there, I thought, all right, this is going to be a really good opportunity for and Marvin Jemias Bagley Bramsley to be Bramsley, like, how dare you? and Jemaius Ramsey, <laughs> um, this is really going to be an opportunity for Marvin Bagley to uh, have a lot of shots, and, and he just he wasn't aggressive, uh, and when he was aggressive, he didn't make the right decision. So I thought he was a lot better when the game was close in the first uh, first half yeah. than he was even in garbage time, but. You know there was some promise tonight, and I'm not going to overly complain about uh, a competitive or at least a semi competitive loss,
1: yeah, fair enough um just my speculation, which maybe is irresponsible I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if you know getting thrown out there with all of the bench guys is almost a little demoralizing um Bagley, no. you know, and especially Bagley's no not allowed to complain about that. You're playing tomorrow. You're playing tomorrow and all the other guys are getting rest and you're still getting thrown out there.
0: No. No, sorry Marvin. That you're taking every minute that you can <laughs> get. You you don't get to be like, oh, "Dang it, coach, you didn't play me uh in, at the end of the Bulls game, but you're totally playing me at the end of the Raptors game?" No. You don't get to complain about minutes.
1: Right, go out there and ball out and you'll
0: get on the yeah. floor more often. If if he'd taken advantage of those garbage garbage time minutes, then maybe I'd understand him more. But he didn't. He didn't look good. So, uh, yeah.
1: all right, yeah. Um, to close out, I'll, I'll throw a couple questions we got from the chat. Uh, this one: uh, What are what are your guys' thoughts on people wanting Fox to be traded for Tyrese to be the oh main God. guy? Let's calm down. Let's calm down. Yeah, it's just let's calm
0: I down. I have seen way too many Twitter texts like this tonight of of having to choose between Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox. Guys, half the reason that anybody who watched Tyrese Halliburton play last year was excited that he came to Sacramento was specifically because the Kings had De'Aaron Fox, specifically because the Kings already had an initiator who worked with Tyrese Halliburton's skill set. Why in the world, eight games into the season, are you making this an either-or? Tyrese Halliburton will be better on the court because De'Aaron Fox exists. De'Aaron Fox is going to really like having a secondary playmaker who can get him the ball and take the load off him. Why in the world is – Tyrese Halliburton for the rest of eternity. Don't break them up. Don't trade De'Aaron Fox. This is lunacy, and anybody who says otherwise just needs to stop.
1: Go off, Brian. Tell him I'm all. I'm totally with you here.
0: Yeah.
1: Totally it's with crazy you. crazy talk. Yeah. Um. For as great as we've seen Halliburton, uh, you know, a lot of it was obviously that he should be a secondary playmaker, and, and you know, I, I, there's a, there's a ceiling past that at this point with what we've seen. Um. But yeah, totally. It. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt to have another playmaker alongside of him. No. It helps, like you're saying um what good team
0: complains about having multiple talented initiators come on
1: and it's not like like i mean halliburton especially if you're talking about not wanting to limit halliburton halliburton functions amazingly off the ball i get like Mm -hmm. i guess some questions about fox off the ball but he's gonna have to work that out um and and he will he he has the talent for it um we also have last question we'll get in here uh This is where would you rank a Fox-Halley backcourt defensively. I'm not going to do a ranking right now because we didn't really prep for this, but let's just talk about their defensive pairing together, um, which is a little interesting because I do kind of view both of them ideally as off-ball defenders. um, And I I think that obviously Halliburton, you know, he's a, a ridiculous defensive playmaker, and I think that fox is a guy that could do that as well, especially with his ridiculous speed. I think, like, um, I, I mean, specifically definitely think of moments where, you know, he's he's able to to dig in on, on guys posting up or say it's like a Jokic situation where you're running it through a big and he just comes from nowhere to be seen and is able to go get a steal or something like that. And And the size that both of them have and a little bit of deficiencies when it comes to strength I think makes them – not great on ball defenders when ideally you'd probably want one of them to be really good on ball. Um, and, and Fox just has defense, defensive things he needs to work out, but like, I mean, it's not like, yeah, it's not a reason to break up the duo or anything. Like, I, yeah, I mean, I think what, what do you make of their defensive
0: pairing? I agree with you. I think ideally, they, the Kings are still missing a true uh point of attack defender. Um, I had a lot of hope that that could be De'Aaron Fox coming into uh, his NBA career. That hasn't been who he's been. I agree with you that I think their strengths are as off-ball defenders. And as we've said pretty much from the jump, the right way to optimize Tyrese Halliburton's defensive capabilities is to really surround him with as many great on-ball defenders as possible and let him just cause havoc Uh, when guys are otherwise swarmed by their on-ball defender. Um, So ideally, I think what really unlocks the pairing to be an above-average combination is having really good wing defenders, having a really good anchor in the middle, and the Kings don't have that yet. Um, I mean, we talked about Rashawn Holmes. Rashawn Holmes is great, but the teams are still really lacking uh, any above-average wing defense. So, I think that the pair has a lot of promise. They're still plenty young. Um, Maybe when they're not being, uh, maybe their next coach beyond Luke Walton really can figure out how to optimize a defense around them. But I don't think it's a big concern moving forward. It's just Tyrese Halliburton is freaking fantastic as an off ball defender and he tries really hard as an on-ball defender, but the team will be best when he doesn't need to be the best on-ball defender on the team. Hmm. You're on mute now. Oh, there you go. (laughs) You pulled at me.
1: I know, I (laughs) guess so. Um, So, uh, well, I got so thrown off now. Um, One other thing I'll throw your way, final question before we get out of here that, that made me think of this. Bagley played a whole lot of zone at Duke, right? Yes. And this was Wendell uh, Carter in the middle, right?
0: They played a lot of zone mostly because that team involving Grayson Allen, by the way, didn't have a single good defender. Was so it Carter really not? wasn't the uh, when Wendell Carter was I think Wendell Carter was ended up proving to be the best defender on that team, but and, and he was he the guy was in still. the middle,
1: right? He under was. the rim. Okay. okay.
0: Yeah. So um I think the the reason they ended up playing so much zone was more out of necessity than it optimized anything, because okay. either way, they were a bad defensive team. Yeah.
1: All right. Yeah, I figured, but just wanted to just, just do a little check there. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's all I got here, man. Uh when you're listening to this, uh, definitely – Try to hold on to the positive moments that we saw from Halliburton. There were positive moments from Bagley. Um, I I get, you know, the frustrations with him. But, again, patience, patience, patience. There were very good moments from Bagley in both the Chicago and Toronto games. Um, He is showing switchability, but you can't expect him to stay in front of Fred Van Vliet. Um, I I mean, Rudy Gobert is not staying in front of Fred Van Vliet. Um, So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, um, hold on to the positive moments, you know, I, which there are plenty. Um, I, I get the frustrations. Turn it off when it gets bad if you need to. Um, but yes, there, there are definitely positive moments to hold on to, and hopefully some of that can carry over. And a lot of it is obviously Tyrese Halliburton uh, going into this next showing against a superstar backcourt duo of um, CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard and Portland
0: Trailblazers. Don't let this season be about the wins and losses, everybody the only way to stay sane stay, stay sane it, it might be about the losses for me if
1: I'm going to be honest. but, uh, <laughs> but yes yeah. that's going to do it for this episode of the Kings Bulls podcast um, guys at the Kings Herald are, are doing great work and you can go check out that at uh, kingsherald.com and support the Patreon to um, support local independent Kings coverage and Like I said, we are um, doing a lot of Periscope streams, it seems, now. Um, Follow us on Twitter to get notified when those are happening at Kings underscore Pulse. And we always have something sticky to the top of the Kings subreddit as well, which is just hilarious content constantly in that subreddit. I'm sure there's plenty of memes about first half, second half of this game. Um, But you can leave comments, questions in there that we'll get to and talk about on the next episode. Um, And if you enjoyed, please subscribe, rate, and review, and you'll hear from us again here in the next couple of
0: days.